0: The default answer to high performance that people go in business is more. Hmm. So like, how can we make more money? Well, we need more clients. They need to buy more stuff. They need to buy it more often. You know, that is unsustainable. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. You're listening to my friend, Ash Roy. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the discussion with John Edwards, an Olympian who represented the United States in the Olympics in the sport of luge. This discussion is about performance and how to take your business and your life to the next level. If you haven't listened to part one of the podcast, I strongly encourage you to listen to the previous episode, then listen to this one. Now here's the second part of the discussion.
0: For those of us who are parents in this generation, no generation of parents has had to go through what we're going through in terms of technology, invading kind of our influence on our kids oh yeah right right so you know know, my kids are as i mentioned before they're seven and and soon to be ten and you know as a parent you want to be able to affect what goes in their head but when he's playing minecraft or watching a video on youtube on how to play minecraft and some ad comes up for some whatever You know, that is basically like having somebody walk into your house, you know, unannounced going, Hey there, buddy, this is really what you should be worried about. Or to your daughter, like, you know what, take this pill and lose 20 pounds, you know, We are in a society, so that's never going to change. And that's one of the things where, you know, for you and I in this generation, for people our age, we are still kind of holding on to that time in our life when we grew up where we didn't have those cell phones in our pockets. Yeah, We didn't have the infinite amount of information accessible to us 24-7. But the world we're now transitioning into is going to get like that, but even more more complex. Mm -hmm. That's where developing the skills to manage that. And there's a lot of people that aren't even aware that this stuff is going to happen. They think, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. But when you start to read about the change that's coming, and that's already there, mm. like, you know, 3D printing was a cool deal. And we yeah. thought, wow, this is going to change the world. Mm. Until someone said, well, wait a second, 3D printing only prints in layers. Mm. Let's find out how we make something truly three-dimensional. And they, now they're basically reinventing 3D printing right? now they're talking about mining asteroids and taking 3D printers onto, you know, mining other planets. It's going to happen. It's probably going to happen in our lifetime because health-wise, we're going to get, you know, the technology for longevity is coming down the pipeline. Yeah. You know, you and I, we're probably going to live to be 100, 120, you know, if not more, who knows? I mean, we're probably going to want to turn off the light switch of life. You yeah. know, we're pro- that's probably going to be our choice, right? But, you know, you're wise to be able to say, "Hey, you know what, honey? you're right. We need this time together right now. Mm. We have the ability to work in a twenty four seven world, but we're still trying to work eight hours a day. Mm. right? We're still holding on to that. I don't think that's gonna really go away we're gonna there's still gonna be a large part of the work world that's working 80, eight hours a day, but that's changing pretty quickly.
1: Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about high performance and why it's important in business today. Let's bring the conversation back a little bit more to business. So we've covered really nicely, we've covered the three those three key elements where you were able to take the skills and the capabilities from being an Olympian into business. But now let's talk about why is high performance so important in business and what is your definition of high performance in business?
0: Well, as an athlete, When you look at your performance and you look at your time at the end of the run, you then go back and assess all these different areas of your physical self, your technical self, and your tactical self, and your belief in yourself on where you could improve. And the default answer to high performance that people go in business is more. Hmm. So, like, how can we make more money? Well, we need more clients. They need to buy more stuff. They need to buy it more often you know, that is unsustainable, okay? So Jay Abraham wrote a great book called uh, Getting Everything You Can Out of All You Got. Yeah. And this was a book that I really wished I read when I was an Olympian. And he says in that book, he goes, you know, in most businesses, in most industries, you get what he calls, you basically get industrial incest. Mm-hmm. You know, one business looks at the other business, sees what they're doing, they look at the other business, and they basically just try to basically outwork each other. Now, what he said is, if you know you can work as hard as you can and you're going to get probably like anywhere from a, a seven to eight, maybe a ten percent improvement, but it's only going to last for a little while until everybody else catches up, mm-hmm. right Where you get these game-changing companies and these game-changing businesses is when they look outside of themselves and they make minute changes. They can make massive changes, right? Like you can, you know, it's like the drive through window at the McDonald's, mm-hmm. you know, or sorry, the, the drive through window that went to the bank, mm-hmm. right? That changed. That was a game changer. But right now we've got companies like Uber, you know, that are completely wiping out industries. Mm-hmm. But I'll share with you a story that happened in uh, London at the 2012 Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. So England didn't really have a great cycling team. Uh, the British weren't really known very, very much for cycling. I think in the previous Olympics, they had won maybe one medal, but what they did was their, their, the high performance director for British cycling created a task force to look at all these different areas in their sport and in their competition and in the competition at the Olympics and in ways that they can make incremental improvements across a whole bunch of different areas. And so, They didn't just look at it and say, well, our athletes need to cycle more. Hmm. We need, you know, lighter bikes. We need, you know, they looked at like, wait a second, between the semifinal and the final, there's an hour rest period between how can we maximize the recovery time? Uh, I see what you mean. So it's not, they
1: didn't look at just more. They questioned the paradigms. They questioned how they're doing it, not just how to do more of it.
0: You know, and th- this story is actually outlined in a book called uh, Faster, Higher, Stronger by Mark McCluskey. Cool. And, you know, they looked at every little area. And this is hard as a business owner, right? It's hard to, again, this is, goes back to that entrenching idea. You know, it's it's really hard to look with fresh eyes, you know, mm-hmm. you can write a blog post, you can write an article, you can read it six times, you know how you want it to hear in your head. Mm-hmm. And even as you read the text on the page that may be completely incorrect, you, all you hear is in your head, what you wanted to say, right. we do that in business too. We, we see an outcome, we want it to happen, we think it should happen and it's not happening you need a fresh set of eyes to look at all these different areas where you could possibly make an improvement. And that's where a lot of companies, I think, fall flat. Because you know, usually, as I know, as a family-run business, we do things a certain way. And sometimes it's even hard to make a change. You can't make a change. Even if you want to make a change, you don't have the resources to make the change. You don't have the time, the energy, or the money to make the change. The bottom line is you still have to capture that change you need to make Get it on paper somewhere to get it you know so that it's captured, and then find a way to get more leverage to make that change happen. Yes. That's what those British cyclists did. And they ended up having the largest medal haul out of any country at the Olympic Games. Wow, they blew everybody out of the water.
1: They set something great really,
0: and they had never done that before. There's something really
1: important you just said that I just want to bring out for the listeners, and that is, being able to get stuff out of your head and onto a piece of paper or onto a screen. I prefer paper personally. It just has a certain transforming effect of getting stuff out of that sea of information in your head, getting it on paper. It somehow, I don't know, it galvanizes me into action. It creates a certain sense of objectivity. It gives you an opportunity to look at what you're doing at an arm's length. Maybe it's a form of mindfulness, but it is so much more powerful than just saying, I got to do this. I got to figure out a way to do this better. But the act of writing it down on paper, just getting it out of your head, it just opens up new possibilities. Often it means that you then are able to put more steps beneath that line that you wrote on that bit of paper about what you're trying to do.
0: David Allen, in Getting Things Done, said the mind is an amazing place to have ideas. It's a crappy place to keep them. <laughs> right. Right. Those aren't his words exactly, but yeah. that's my spin on it. Absolutely.
1: He also said a large part of stress that people feel has, is a direct function of how much information is swimming around in their head. And as soon as they get it out into a trusted system, it dramatically reduces stress levels, which is why he calls his system the system of stress-free productivity.
0: Totally, and and the other thing that he said, which I love, is that you should only have a good idea once. If you've got an idea in your head that keeps coming back, that is the universe or whatever you want to look at it, telling you you need to get acting on that. And a lot of people never do because it just they think about it for a second, they go, "Oh, that's a good idea," it goes away. And then eventually it comes back, and they go, like, "Oh, that's a good idea." And then they don't do anything with it, and it goes away. And that's a loop. And then what you end up happening as you get into your later years, you get a lot of resentfulness the fact that you never acted on it, you know. And, and that's a really big deal. I think a lot of people, you know, we have no excuse now with smartphones in our pocket to be able to capture every idea that comes in our head. As and it can go. I've got a someday maybe list, right? That was one of the biggest things I learned out of that book was a someday maybe list. It was like, hey, this is a good idea. I don't have to do it now. I may do it later, but it's going on that someday maybe list and then I can act on it. Because the other thing is that, and I believe this fully, is that when your brain gives you an idea and you respect it and you capture it somehow – right even if you write it on a piece of paper and then you end up losing that piece of paper you wrote it down you respected the idea enough to get it out of your head your brain is going to give you more ideas right that is something that you know i didn't quite fully grasp You know, as an athlete, you don't really have a lot of ideas. Your ideas just go faster, right? You know, and you you kind of relied on your coaches to come up with those ideas for you. But as a business owner now, and just kind of navigating through life, you know, you gotta capture those ideas, you know, and you're only gonna have more ideas if you're getting good inputs, right? And for someone who's listening to this right now, you know, you are on the path. There's no bad ideas. I believe this fully. There is no bad ideas. Ideas go into your brain, and they create this mesh network. It's not a ladder. It's not like you have an idea, and you have another idea, and then you have another idea. It's like you get this network of ideas that you can bounce off of, and then from that, you have a greater ability to act. You know, I always say like you, when you've got the ability to work in threes, so it's like if you and I, Ash, are doing something like... If we just did a podcast for each other, you and I were just talking to each other, I'm helping you, you're helping me, but that's about it, right? But if we can create something of value that's that third side, Mm -hmm. right? A triangle is stronger than a line. A triangle is stronger than a square. Absolutely. But the thing is you you build triangle after triangle after triangle of ideas in your head and you are going to become a more powerful person. There's no question asked for sure.
1: You should check out my website. I've written two or three posts on the Getting Things Done approach. That was one of the uh, I things. Read ins-
0: I read oh, them. you have? Oh, cool. I read them. <laughs> <laughs> When I read them, I knew that we'd be talking about good stuff because you know we, you know, I think that's a game changing book. I heard this woman the other day online. and She's got a pretty again. I'm not going to mention her name either. But she was talking about productivity. She was answering a question to somebody about productivity, and the person that she was answering to mentioned the book Getting Things Done, and she started to talk about it. Then she admitted that she had never read the book. Right. And I'm thinking if you're talking on business to anybody, you should be reading the best books in, you know, certain and getting things done by David Allen is a game changing book. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how. If you listen to one of his podcasts, you think he's boring. Don't discount the message for the, me- the messenger. Absolutely. That book is full of just gold and people Absolutely. need to have it for sure. Absolutely. So
1: let's talk a bit about how high performance practices can translate into high profits. How have you been able to bring that about in your business?
0: You know, it's, it comes down to taking that attitude of looking for all these little micro areas where you can make a change. Mm-hmm. And as a business owner, there should be in your head more ideas than you can act on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then what you do then is that you have to commit resources. And resources are finite. You know? And I'm not talking about like you know, oil in the ground individually, you have time, energy, and money that you can throw to something, right? So we've got a certain amount of hours in the day. We've got a certain amount of money in the bank account, right? And then overall, we've just got a certain amount of energy to deal with the whole thing. You know, there's just times when you got to go to bed. So you really have to manage your resources, and you have to commit to something, make a change, track the results, and then get the feedback from that result And then continue to make change. But Ash, here's something that I never really fully grasped. You know, knowing when to quit is an important thing that, you know, as an athlete, you don't quit. Mm. You know, as a luge athlete, I don't quit as a luge athlete. This is a very novel, you know, I think it's a very overused approach for a lot of people. And and a lot of people fall to the sports analogy. You know, they think of like Vince Lombardi and tough football coaches going, you don't quit. Mm. You know, down in your neck of the woods, you've got rugby and Aussie rules football, mm. right? And you've got this, you know, we're not going to quit until we've won. Yeah. And you know what? In business, that's not always true mm. because we have opportunity cost, right? Yes. We we have opportunity costs. In sports, you don't have opportunity costs typically, Hmm. right? As a luge athlete, you're committed to being a luge athlete. You're not all of a sudden going to jump ship and become a basketball player. Now, you may have a track and field athlete who gets to the end of their track and field career, and now they have the ability to leave track and field where their results are waning, and they can maybe go to – Bobsled, they can mm-hmm. go to a different event, maybe. Those are opportunity costs. So, as a business owner, we need to look at the opportunities we have on the plate, right? Mm-hmm. Then we have the opportunities where, okay, if you're in business, you're pursuing an opportunity right now. Now, there may be opportunities to leave that and maybe brand extensions, right? line extensions, new projects, joint ventures. This is where you have an existing opportunity and you have resources allocated to that opportunity. Now the goal is to get leverage. You're just trying to get enough of a buffer. This is where Ash, this is where a lot of people fall flat is they don't have what I call a reserve, right? But when someone says they're busy, What they're basically saying is they don't have a reserve. Mm -hmm. They don't have a reserve of resources, of time, energy, and money to basically step back to be able to pursue additional opportunities, Mm -hmm. right? You know, someone who works three jobs, you know, to use an extreme example, you got the single mom, two kids, three jobs. She's busy, right? And if an opportunity came, she's basically looking for other jobs They give her more money right, so that she can then buy some time. And that's where leverage comes in. So in terms of high performance in business, all we're doing is managing resources and opportunities. Some opportunities you give up on, some opportunities you go to a point where you can hopefully create some sort of reserve where now you have leverage to get to another opportunity, a bigger opportunity.
1: I really like how you put that. A lot of
0: people never get... Yeah, sorry. a lot lot of people never get to that reserve point. That's where they get stuck.
1: I really like how you put that. I remember when I studied economics many years ago, there were four factors of production. There was land, labor, capital, and enterprise. And I remember thinking to myself, well, how's enterprise a factor of production? But I realize now it's about being able to, enterprise is about being able to bring the other factors together in the most efficient way possible to create something greater than the sum of those three. So I think what you're trying to say, and I agree with, is it's not about just exchanging your time for money, for example. It's about figuring out how to assemble your resources so that you can scale your time and generate more money out of, out of the same amount of time you spent. So, for example, rather than just being a consultant, you could create information products that you can then sell In volume. And that was one of the things that appealed to me most about the online world. I want to be able to do with information what Henry Ford did with cars. And I believe that that is one way to be successful in business. It's about understanding what is working, what is scalable, given the technological changes that are around you, and then jumping on that and scaling it.
0: You're exactly right. And, and I hate to kind of beat a dead horse, but it, what a lot of people do is they never get leverage, mm. right? And that's, it's funny from sports. That's another thing I look back on sports too, and I go, you know, every morning I would get up and I'd roll out of bed and I'd go to the Olympic training center and I have breakfast and we'd go train. And at the time I just thought it was training, you know, it was just what you did. And a lot of people, they get up, they go to bed, they go to work, right? So, but really as an athlete, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get leverage. Right? You're trying to get physically stronger to be able to move faster, to, negotiate, to basically, again, it goes back to those three key abilities. Now, in everyday life, if you're working a job and you know you're trying to do this online thing, but you need to buy you know a CRM packet, you need to buy an autoresponder, you gotta get a, a website theme. A lot of people, their lifestyle is so full. Like they're just You know, they make a buck and they spend a buck,
1: Hmm. right?
0: Actually, a lot of people, you know, especially in the United States, they make a buck, they spend a buck 50.
1: It's like a subsistence style of existence, isn't it?
0: You know, it all comes down to discipline too. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like, I mean, we see that so much, especially in North America.
1: But see, John, Jonathan, our system, our system has taught us this. Unfortunately, our whole system, the school system, the university system has just created these automatons where we've just become these knowledge workers, but we're really effectively been taught to be slaves and taught not to think outside of the square in terms of, you know, we all, the only difference is we're not actually physically doing physical work like slaves. We're doing intellectual work, but it's intellectual slavery, really. And we have been taught not to think outside of the square, not to try and challenge the status quo. That's how our entire education system is built. And that's exactly what Seth Godin talks about a lot.
0: You're, you're I'm with you hundred percent, you know, but here's the thing is it all comes down to you individually, right? A lot of people want to, a lot of people want to say, oh, they want, they want to make more money. Like the big thing in, the, in, in North America right now is that everybody wants to jump the minimum wage to $15 an hour, right? Well, okay, great. You know, so you're flipping burgers and you're making whatever eight bucks now, and you want fifteen bucks. Well, that's only going to expedite the robotics that come in to replace your job to begin with. That's it. Then what do you do? Yeah. So yeah, I, I fully agree with you. Like I, you know, I stress over this daily with my kids, like where they're going to school, what they're learning, what it's going to teach them to negotiate this world that not even the school system is ready for. Right. Right. So so at the end of the day, it comes down to a lot of personal responsibility uh, and a lot of uh, and, and a lot of buck in the system basically. And it's not going to be pretty. I think the next 10, 15, 20 years is not going to be pretty. And because I think you're going to see the schools, like the big schools, like the Harvards and the MITs and those types of schools, there's still going to be these pioneering areas of endowment and innovation and front. but, But then you're going to see a lot of the people that have graduated from those schools have become very successful business owners who are going to create game changing industries. So now, how does somebody who Got told that they're crappy in math in grade three, and then the crappy in math in grade four, and then crappy in math in grade five, who doesn't really get an understanding of math until they're in grade six, but they think they suck, right? What are the, what's that person gonna do? They're gonna have to knuckle down and find a way to make it work, no matter what it is. And so, we're not in a pretty time here, and that's where people really got to take a. They got to take a lot of responsibility. Get on the front. Like I view this as a wave that's coming, yeah. you know. And there's going to be people that are on the crest of the wave, and they're going to ride it. There are going to be people that are going to miss the backside of the wave, and they're going to be paddling, mm-hmm. and they're going to be stuck in the undertow, mm-hmm. and that's not going to be pretty. So I agree. That's where, that's, that's the world of
1: work is going to change so much. There's a book called End of Jobs, which I have to read. Oh. I'm I'm really keen to read it. But it is gonna dramatically it is already talking about how the world of work is changing and jobs are starting to disappear and entrepreneurship is gonna become a far less risky. Option. I mean, the world has changed so much. 50 years ago or 20 years ago, even, it was safer to have a corporate job because your job was relatively stable. Today, it is, I believe, safer to have your own business because your corporate job is far more likely to go down or is as likely to go down or disappear. And for you to not be able to find another job as your business is likely to not succeed.
0: I love talking to small business owners and and I'll call them wannabe small business owners because there's a lot of people that are listening to this call who they're just trying to get leverage they're yeah. trying to create something where they've got more time and you know we've got inspiring stories of like the Pat Flynns of the world and the James Tramp goes and uh, and I'll be honest I'm jealous of some of those guys like they you know <laughs> you know I love what Pat Flynn was able to do when he got laid off from being an architect yeah. you know and and having that just kind of blow up for him that's fantastic you know but there's a lot of people listening to this going well how can I do that you know how can I have that sort of stuff well you know first and foremost you got to upgrade your inputs, right? You just, that's, I, I keep getting back to that. But yeah. here's the thing. As an Olympic athlete, when you first start learning how to luge, I'll, I'll use that as my example. You know, the first day I went to see luge in real life, I drove up to Lake Placid, New York with my mom. And we got to the track, and you can hear the sleds coming down. They sound like small like you know uh, trains. you know right. you just, it makes this weird, this weird whoosh sound. and you hear them coming down and you see and I, I didn't see any. We walked all the way up to like curve ten, and we heard the sled coming out. So it' was like those rumble off in the in the distance. and then I heard it go through curve five, and then it goes into curve six, and then you started hearing this weird sound. It's like and it started getting like a little bit crazier and out of hand. And then all of a sudden, this guy came into view the sled and this guy was completely on his side doing like 60 miles an hour on his face. He went all the way to the top of the curb, smashed the curb, went down out of sight. And then there was like no sound for a split second. And then there was more because he like flew off the end of this curve and, and then he smashed into the next curve. That was the first sled that I saw. And I think, Using that as an analogy for how people are starting kind of to get, you know, basically to get leverage and get off into a new project, whether it's an online business, it's an e-commerce store, or maybe they've wanted to teach kids like, you know, personal training, whatever it is, you just got to start. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we learn in sport is that you've got a physical ability enough to start pretty much anything. Uh Mm-hmm. What happens is you need to get a little bit of speed going. It's weird. Before you have the technical ability, you need to get moving. Because otherwise, the technique you're learning doesn't work. You know, coaches tell you, well, if you, if you went a little faster, the sled to do this. You know, in snowboarding, it's a great example. You can only learn how to turn a snowboard once you've actually got a little speed going. Yeah, as James says, of,
1: you can't steer a parked car. Huh?
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know, and so but people get nervous getting the car moving. Yeah. You know, they get, they get scared. They freak themselves out and they go, I can't do this. It's like, no, you got to suck it up and go. Yeah. Right. Because from sucking it up and moving just a little bit, and that may be, you know, writing your first blog post. One of the things that I tell people who are, they may not feel like experts in their niche, but to somebody, they are an expert. And what I tell people is you don't have to be the expert. You just have to be, their expert. Yeah. Expert enough. Expert enough. Exactly. Like there's somebody out there like that is going to appeal to me and there's somebody out there that's going to hate me and appeal to you. Yeah. Right. And so the bottom line is that you just need to take the leap and start, you know, basically saying, Hey, whether it's, you're an expert in something like high performance or personal training or fat loss, or, or, or maybe it's something a little bit more, you know, someone like someone who starts an e-commerce store is basically saying, well, I want to be an expert in bar stools, Mm -hmm. right? Or I want to be an expert in whatever, women's fragrance, you name it. You're basically saying you want to be an expert in that thing. You just got to take the leap and start talking about it. The problem a lot of people run into, Ash, is that there's a lot of people that have gone before, and we have respect for those people. And, we, you know, for a lot of us, we're taught, like, don't plagiarize, don't steal, hmm. you know. And so a lot of people just, they shy back. They never get started hmm. because they don't feel worthy. You that's know, a they don't very feel important
1: like... point you've just made, though. A lot of people do have, that's a very important objection to getting started. And we moved very nicely into the action phase of this conversation. It is very hard for people to get started because they're worried about plagiarism. They're worried about stealing and they're worried about creating something that an authority in the field has created and being seen as copying their work. So how do they deal with that? What is your recommendation for them to deal with that?
0: Well, there's two things. If you steal, you're going to get found out. The other side of it, though, is you can, like, you know, today as we're talking, you know, we're talking about David Allen, we're giving him credit. If I had just shared with you that, hey, the brain's a great idea, a great place to have an idea and not a great place to keep them, you know, You would know that saying because Mm. you read David Allen's book. Mm. Somebody else who never read David Allen's book would never hear that quote otherwise, whether I gave credit to him or not. yeah, You know, my wife is an interior designer and she wasn't an interior designer. She, 10 years ago, she was an accountant, but over the last 10 years, she's become.
1: So was I, by the way.
0: Probably. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a popular field for a lot of people, I think. But over the last 10 years, she's probably become one of the top interior designers in our city. Wow. And she and that's that's a million people, right? But also she has the skill and the talent that's equally as good as the people you see on TV. Sure. And there's a lot of people now, I don't know what it's like down in Australia for you, but we've got HGTV up here yeah. and there's some real whack jobs teach like doing interior design and construction. Hmm. So for my wife, part of it is just getting her and she sells millions of dollars worth of furniture and drapes and blinds and, you know, seat cushions and you name it, she can sell it. And Dan Kennedy says the only person's opinion you should care about is the one who gives you money. Yeah. <laughs> and so what ends up happening, though, I like that. What ends up happening, though, is a lot of people get stuck before they get to that person who may even give them money. And here, Ash, what I'll give you another point. good analogy, right? I'm...
1: I have to confess, the reason I said I like <laughs> that is because I am guilty of listening to too many people, and I think that's a very good takeaway for me. I think I pay attention to too many opinions, and I need to think more about my customer. How can I help my customer, and customers will vote with their wallets. So, great point. Thank you.
0: No, you're, you're very welcome. Like, it's a, you know, it's one I think about a lot. The other one... and. This goes back to my Olympic days. When I was just a normal high school kid, I played soccer, ho- ice hockey, and field lacrosse. And then I got introduced to the sport of luge at a summer camp. I did pretty well at it. I got invited to try it on ice. When I went back to my buddies at home and I said, hey, I'm going to go try this luge thing. When I told my inner circle right of friends what I wanted to do, Some of them are like, you're crazy. You're nuts, right? And in business, we do the same thing. You know, we go to our inner circle and we say, hey, I'm going to start a website. I'm going to do a podcast. They might have no understanding of what it is that you know, right? And so what they quickly do, it's the black crab syndrome, right? They pull you in. They say, "Well, you know, Ash, you're crazy. What are yeah. you doing? What are you, productivity? Yeah. You know, I remember you when you, you and, and that's what they bring out, right? right. They, I remember, you know, for me, it was like, I remember you when you were the goofy kid who could, had the flat feet and he couldn't run. Yep. And now you want to be an Olympian. Who are you? Yeah, Who are you? But here's what happens. You take a step just outside that circle, right? And what you're trying to do is you're trying to bust through. I wish I had a graphic for this. It'd be better, but you're going to get my hands. So you got the inner circle. Yeah. Now if you take an outer circle, right? That's a bigger diameter. That's who you're trying to get to. Mm. That is the expert over here that you're listening to. That's the book you read. This is the podcast. Now this is the the guy you hired to help. This is the customer who believes in you. Here's what happens. If you take a wedge out of that outer circle mm. and now you bring it into your inner circle, mm. what happens to that inner circle? It starts to crack. It's great because you can't take a, a larger piece of that pie, put it into that inner pie, and have it fit. It just doesn't work. Right. It starts to blow things up.
1: Interesting. Right. Yeah.
0: But people never get to that second level. Right. You know, what I, I do it quietly, I don't tell people. You know, I, you know, if you've got a dream in your heart, if you've got something you want to accomplish, if you've got a better vision for yourself, don't tell anybody nearby right? Don't tell anybody because they don't know what you know. The Hmm. inputs that are in your head are different than the inputs in their head. And so now when you share that idea with them, that's a brand new input. They can't process that. Hmm. They don't have the ability to know what you know, right? When I went off and did luge for the first time and came back and told my hockey buddies, they told me that I was crazy, right? They said, what, you want to dress in spandex and fly down an icy chute Good for you. They didn't even say good for you. They are like, yeah. good luck.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? But you know what happened when I made it to the Olympic Games? These guys were all my best buddies. Yeah. So that, that happens. I I'm really only. important. So if someone's listening to this and they've got a project, they want start, to start it.
1: A really important thing I think that the listeners should take away also is if you want to take advice, then look at what that person has achieved before you ask them for advice or if before you give their opinion value. So never listen to a naysayer who hasn't built a business. If a person has built a multi-million dollar business and is saying to me, listen, that doesn't make sense, it's not going to work, I will give that a lot more credit than somebody who's never tried to build a business and is saying it's not going to work because the reason the second person is saying it is probably because they're threatened by what you're doing and it's a threat to their own belief system. So you got to look at what they've done in their life as well before you take advice from them.
0: You know, when we step out in anything, we make someone else look lazy. Yeah. You know, that's really what ends up happening. They feel like it doesn't matter if you're trying to lose weight it doesn't matter if you're trying to start a business. If that other person's not trying to lose weight and not trying to start a business and you go off and do that, they will see you on a different level now. And that's, you know, what people say about you is their problem, not yours. Yeah, right. Exactly. And also what people say about you says more about them hmm. than it does about you. Right. So when someone told me, like, you know, you do luge, you're crazy. What they're saying is that, wow, I don't understand anything about luge. <laughs> and if I were to try that, that's just way out of my comfort zone. Right. You know, and and so it doesn't matter where whether you're writing a, a blog post about something that you love. You know, I like model trains. I don't build them, I collide I buy them, you know. But if I, I shared that one day with a dad at my kids' school, and he was like, you like model trains? I only thought that was for like ancient guys, you know, with big fat bellies and like what? And it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing mm-hmm. to me. It was embarrassing to him. But I'm like, you know, I kind of like him, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever, dude. I'm not going to be tinkering when I'm 50, you know, like, I'm like that's not my deal. I just I like other aspects about it that he wasn't aware of. But it just was a really uncomfortable moment. Mm-hmm. You know, Wayne Dyer says that, you know, basically your dreams – are your most intimate workings, right? There are things inside only you that you can make happen, that may come true. And when you, if you share that with somebody else and it's not their dream too, it's an awkward moment. So yeah. don't bother. I don't even bother. Anymore.
1: It threatens the status quo. Okay. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, tell me, as a high-performance consultant, let's talk a little bit about the most common challenges you've noticed with people taking their business to the new level. Have you found an incremental approach is best in terms of breaking through to the next level, or is it just going with a breakthrough the barriers kind of approach, a smash through the wall?
0: You know, that's a great question. When you look at your key abilities again, in your physical ability, you can have incremental improvements. It's rare you can basically shock the system hmm. and blow it up. Right. So if, if I'm used to running a mile and then tomorrow I try to run three miles, yeah, probably going to hurt myself. Right. You know, if you've got a business and, you know, and, and we do this, people totally overestimate what they can get done in a short time. They underestimate what they can get done over a long period Absolutely. of time doing little bits. Right. So, you know, when, uh, and I do this all the time, I'm, I'm working on my blogs and I'm just over, I blew them up, I overhauled, but now I'm just like, Oh man, that's a lot of work, right? Hmm. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours and I got a lot of stuff going on. And so depending on what your resources are and basically what track you're going to approach, then again, it's, it, it all comes down to opportunity cost. Some companies have basically blown up, you know, and, the, and one of the best examples recently was in the, in the U S we have Hostess, right? This company called Hostess, mm-hmm. they make Twinkies. I don't know That's if you've right. got Twinkies down in Australia, No, but I've, I but know what they are. You know what they are, right? There's these toxic little sticks of like <laughs> chemical cream and sponge, right? Hostess is a really old company. You know, it's, it's been around for decades and they were trying to make incremental improvements to keep the company afloat. They had labor issues with unions and all sorts of stuff, right? And finally, the board of Hostess said, screw it, we're done. Hmm. We're shutting it down. Hmm. And all those employees were out of a job, right? So, And Hostess was bankrupt. Now, a guy bought Hostess. And he bought it for pennies on the dollar, I believe. I can't remember the exact amount. But now he had no employees. What did he do? He filled the factories full of automotive robotic equipment to basically make the product. He doubled the shelf life of a Twinkie. How you do that, I don't know. Like chemically, those things are already like going (laughs) to last for eons. I don't know how he did it. He made $2 billion. Wow. Billion with a B. So let me ask you this Could Hostess have blown that up prior to that? No, they couldn't. They were saddled with labor unions and all sorts of red tape. They couldn't try to do it. If they had gone to the labor union and said, Listen, we're going to make incremental improvements across the board, the labor union would have said, Probably, yeah, if you paid me better. Yeah. Right. So there's an example where it had to be blown up. Yeah. For a lot of people listening to this in small business, you know, there's some good stories of people who, and this is where I kind of go between the two. It's a personal decision. I like the idea of, of basically going all in. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it doesn't work for people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's stories of people who, you know, quit their job to start a lifelong dream and fail miserably, right? And they're living in a van down by the river. Right? So, you know, I think a lot of people are better off, you know, keeping a job and setting good milestones and getting their projects done to to move forward, but that too they're comfortable and you're only going to make a change if you're uncomfortable. Mm, so true. that's why when people call me sometimes like a motivational speaker, and I don't really like that because I think that when you talk like motivational speaker, it's all carrot, mm. right? It's no stick, mm. right? You need the carrot and the stick. Yeah. And sometimes people need a really big stick to get them moving to make a chain. You know, how many people do you know that get diagnosed with cancer and then finally stop smoking? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, So in terms of making change, depending on the situation, if you look at the resources you have, if you look at your physical ability, technical ability, tactical ability, and then your belief in those abilities, the answer will come to you. Sometimes it'll be blow it up. Sometimes it'll be incremental.
1: Okay. So that's another great action the listeners can take. So one action is to get moving, get started. The other one is to think in terms of those three frameworks or three lenses you talked about, which is physical, technical, technical abilities. Another one is to really think about how to approach your day and use a minimalistic approach and look at what you can eliminate from your day. Understand that busy does not equal effective. We talked about, you know, the getting things done approach, which touches on the same thing, also about getting information out of your head and onto a piece of paper or into a trusted system. So we've touched on some great ideas. Now, how does a listener get in touch with you or find out more about you if they want to?
0: So I've got two websites right now that are in the middle of an overhaul, which is great. So I hope by the time that this goes live, I've got them done Yeah, because I really blew those up, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> so I'm a leap in the net will appear kind of guy. For me and my personality, blowing it up works for me. It doesn't work for everybody. The two main website, one is John Edwards. So J-O-N yeah. Edwards.rocks, dot rocks, R-O-C-K-S. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is my kind of speaking motivation. A lot of what we talked about today, that's there. Mm-hmm. The other side is thebusinesscalledyou.com. dot com. So thebusinesscalledyou.com. dot com, and that's a site that I started really as a way because over the years, uh, you know, I've I've run a lot of websites, a lot of blogs, I've worked with a lot of people, and and given advice on you know basically everything from getting to start to write a book, or getting a, to work on their website, or just starting a blog. You know, just getting their thoughts out of their head mm-hmm. into a, a form. That is then shareable and they can get feedback on. Because a lot of people have stuff stuck in their head and they're either they don't know what to do, they don't know how to do a website, that sort of stuff. Like it really started from my own friends, people that I was in contact with. And so the business called you.com is where podcast sits and blog posts and resources and and things like that. Those are the two. So you can email me at hello at johnedwards.com dot rocks. Okay. Hello at John Edwards dot rocks. That's the best place to reach me. But yeah, Ash, let me share one last thing with you. We've gone so long. I'll share one with because this is going to be a double episode. Definitely. But you might've heard the saying a goal is a dream with a deadline. You ever
1: heard that one? Yes, I have. Yeah. Right.
0: I think that's a load of crap (laughs) because, you know, here's why. Uh, Again, our, our dreams are really personal right? Our dreams are something that is only, it's unique to us. And whether it's, you know, you want to live on the gold coast of Australia on the water, you know, or you want to live in an Alp in Switzerland, you want to have a boat or you want to have a sports car. Those are all dreams. So what a lot of people do is when they put a, when they put a deadline to that dream, right? Because now it's right. A goal is a dream with a deadline. Mm -hmm. And they say that, okay, in a year, I'm going to put a down payment on my new house mm-hmm. and that deadline passes. What happens? They usually feel like crap mm. and they usually beat themselves up and get pretty sick of how they feel and they're upset. And what, what a lot of people do is they give up on their dream. If they don't have any resiliency, they say, I'm, you know what? Well, it's not going to happen for me. I tried it. Didn't work for me. I'm never going to get it. So screw that goal set and stuff. But I take it just a step further. Mm-hmm. So, your dream is always your dream. It never goes away. Because if you give up on it, you're less of a person. Hmm. And then all sorts of other things spiral away in your life, right? So true. So the, the better way to do it, in my opinion, because I did this as an Olympian. I wanted to go to the Olympics. That was my dream. That was my goal. I was on my, – my doubles partner and I, we were the fastest U.S. team on the, on our first chance at an Olympic Games. We were the fastest team on the, in the U.S. in the world. We we're about, were about fifth or sixth in the world overall. We didn't make the U.S. Olympic team that year. We had this crazy selection process. We lost by like a tiny amount of, of, of time. But my dream was tied to that goal, and I was crushed. And I spent so much emotional time Basically building myself back up to believe that I could make it. I wasted a ton of time. Right. So the next go around, the the goal was to be the fastest team and to basically pre-qualify. Our goal was to basically do everything we needed to do to make that happen. Now, here's what we did. We set projects across our three key abilities to make those goals come true. Right. Right? So – The dream is intact. The goal is actually, there's a bunch of goals. And this is where people totally screw it up. Milestones. right? They say, see, you know this, like we we are project managers without project management training, Mm -hmm. right? That's a big one. I heard that from a guy named Rich Sheffern a while ago, because in life, no matter what it is you're doing, whether you are trying to build a website on the side, whether you are, you're making kids lunch in the morning whether you're taking them to the dentist or trying to figure out like all all that stuff, those are all projects. And a lot of people are just pretty darn crappy at managing projects, Hmm. right? And this goes back to what you said on focus, right? On committing to something, you commit to one of those projects to make that goal happen. Mm. right? You allocate resources to that project. And then what happens when that project's done, you look at it and you go, well, did it work? Am I closer to my goal or am I not? But the dream is still intact.
1: Yes. I love because that.
0: I think people give up way too soon. They give up way too soon on their dreams. They get overwhelmed. They get, they think they're going to do all this stuff in like 30 days and it takes them three years or longer. The bottom line is that they just keep Chugging away with the resources that they have, at the goals that they've set, and the projects that make those goals happen, and then the dreams come true. Right. So that's that's me in a nutshell.
1: What's that saying again? <laughs> Just say it to me again. The uh, uh, original saying was a, a oh God, goal. Which one? A goal is a dream with a deadline. Was it?
0: Yeah. So a goal, a, a goal is a dream with a deadline. So maybe it and should in- be
1: a goal is a dream with milestones.
0: Well, I think your dream is made up of goals. And the mm-hmm. goals to make your goals come true, you set projects to make those goals happen. Right. I haven't come up with a catchy like kind of catch phrase to make it happen. But when you read David Allen's work and you read about like, okay, your ideas end up in an inbox somewhere. And then you, you basically, you have a list of projects in your life. Now, what, what a lot of us do, and a lot of people in this world of internet marketing and online businesses and things like that, they got a bazillion ideas. And really all those are projects. You know, you can, you know, write a blog post today, or you can futz with the theme. Right. You know, so what's the project? What's the thing that's going to get your closest to your goal right now? Is it having some whiz bang theme or having that piece of content out there that you can then share with somebody that gets traction? You know, I've toyed with the idea of, of, of having my websites be like no theme at all, yeah. <laughs> be like the ugliest thing ever right? But the bottom line is that what's the dream for people? The dream is maybe to get out of a, a bad paying job, get away from a bad boss, you know, get your family into a larger house, right? You know, we, you know, we fall in love with those things like, Oh, driving the sports car, or, you know, having a, a ski house, like whatever, those are nice. But for a lot of families, it's just like, wow, I just, maybe I'd like to feed my family organic food, hmm. you know, and not, and not regular store-bought food. Those are dreams. So the goal is to earn enough money to make maybe those some of those dreams happen. Well, right. how do you make that goal happen? You got to set a project to find a way to do that. The project may be putting an ad out on some job board to switch jobs where you have more time and the same amount of money. You know, or maybe something that's a little closer to home. You know, that may be the project for for you to work on right now. Well, if that's the project, commit to that project. Get it moving. Then once you've got it moving and you've got kind of that plate spinning, you're going to look at your resources. You're going to now, your time, energy, and money, and you're going to find what other opportunity, what other project can you work on, right? And then you move to that project and make that work, right? So so to me, I touched on this at, the, at our very first call. When I got into the world of sales and because I couldn't, you know, I didn't have a college degree. I never completed college. I did about Like I did one semester at Stanford where I went for the summer and found out quickly if there was a lot of overworked 17 year old kids trying to be just like mom and dad who are doctors and stuff like that. And I was like, this is not for me. And then I got into the world of sales and motivation. I heard that all the time. You know, all these sales guys getting inspired going, oh, you know, got to set a goal. Got to write a goal down. Got to write your goals down. Got to have 101 goals. Got to have a lot of goals. Got to write, you know, whatever. And they all, they're all from the South too. So I hear, I hear it in my head with a Southern accent. But then, you know, then I heard this, a goal is a dream with a deadline, which is basically a way to say, get off your ass and set a deadline and just go do it. Right. Yeah. Set a timeline. Well, when you put a, a deadline on your dream yep. and you miss that dream, you feel like crap. Yeah. And that's not a good place to be. And that's what I come from. That's where I come from when I, when I talk about that.
1: Okay, cool. Well, there's some fantastic nuggets in here. There's some fantastic information, great action points that the listeners can take. I might actually go back and summarize this and try and bring more of those action points out afterwards. But thank you very much for being on the show. It was fantastic having you and I look forward to having you back again sometime.
0: Well, Ash, you know I, I appreciate it, and you know it's it's, it's funny. This, you, you get talking about this stuff, and and again, we're sharing it. We're getting those ideas out there. We're getting feedback, and, and feeling good about it. And I know that this is going to help a lot of people. And I hope that I can, you know, uh, help more people in the future. Please email me. I, I answer all my emails, and and I like to stay in touch and reach out. And and uh, and if I can help you down the road, you bet. Let's stay in touch. we I, I just love it. We're halfway around the world, and we're talking like you're next door. So.
1: Fantastic, isn't it?
0: Awesome, Ash. Thanks for your help. and Talk to you soon. Thanks for being on, John. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?